We are going to be uncovering some untold riches. Let's do this. Episode 13. Hello, friends. That's us. This is Untold Riches, episode 13, with the illustrious Mike Snow, one of the wonderful brokers at Pearson Smith Realty and a close personal friend of both of ours. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Richard, let me, before I start talking about Mike, how have you been, Richard? I've been doing pretty good. This got to be honest. This has been a good week. So you're going to get some of my best stuff today. So Ooh. when people are like, hey, what podcast are you feeling like I should listen to? I'm going to be like 13. Go to 13. That's going to be the podcast that you're going to want to listen to because I'm going to bring the heat today. I know Mike's bringing the heat. He's one of my favorite people. He makes me laugh all the time. Fun fact, he's he is one of my wife's favorite comedians. It's interesting because I just tell her stories about Mike and she finds them hilarious because he is <laughs> – there's only one of him. There's a lot of snows. I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of snows, but there's only one Mike Snow. There might be more than one Mike Snow, but there's only one Mike. We'll find out what his middle name is, Snow, and I'm excited okay. about it. Uh, yeah, a little bit about Mike Snow. Uh, we'll talk more when he's on the pod, but uh, when Richard first convinced me to quit my full-time job and go full-time real estate and come to Pearson Smith, uh, I was terrified. And my very first day at Pearson Smith, I drove up uh, to Ashburn, and uh, I met Mike Snow for the first time and his calm, cool, collected demeanor and honest to God stewardship of my career with Richard's help uh, is absolutely 100% why I was able to succeed in what I'm doing. Um, I don't talk to Mike as often as I'd love to because with COVID and stuff, I don't go to Ashburn all that often. Um, but I personally credit him as being one of the two people who 100% is responsible, I mean, along with me, I guess, if you want to, for guiding me through the process of quitting my job and changing my entire life in the course of my life forever. Uh, something I don't bother him with nearly as often as Richard. Uh, so this will be fun for me today. Uh, I'm a great admirer of Mike's sweet, sweet, sweetness. So let's, without further ado, pull Mike on uh, and quit pulling him off. Okay. Mike. <laughs> no. What's happening, guys? How's it going, He's buddy? Here. Good, good, good. Let, let the guys know that I had uh technical difficulties with my audio so that's why i'm wearing these uh these earbuds uh, that's because like the word ears. out of your mouth is worth hearing yeah man you, you you look like you know what you're doing is what you look you look like you came prepared for the podcasting game with your little head your little headphones are in your okay. ear you got a little little toggle button on there like yeah. can we talk about your shirt for a minute you can we, in the piece. oh yeah sure sure yeah this is a. Uh, you know, uh, you guys mentioned it before. I, I've got, I mean, we all have a lot of kids here, but this was one of my, uh, when I went to Disney last year, the year before, this was the, uh, you know, you have to rock the Disney shirt in the in the park. So this was the hashtag beast uh, shirt that I wore around the uh, Magic Kingdom. Interesting story. So I was reading an article recently about what is possibly the actual inspiration for beast. So in Central Europe, in the, I think it was like the 1500s, there was um, a nobleman, like a king or queen, I, I wish I had the names, uh, Philip or James or something, and they liked this guy who had that lycanthropic thing where they have hair all over their bodies, like the real life people. Oh. And so he actually kind of plucked this young man out of his family, uh, gentrified him and turned him into a nobleman and gave him, he became immensely popular in the local court, this is a true story, um, and took a wife uh, sort of like was conscripted a wife, much as many royals were in the time. Uh, but they fell deeply in love, had like seven kids, four of whom also had the the uh, ailment where they also were full body. And so they believe that the epic story of Beauty and the Beast was based on this young nobleman who was given a little fiefdom out there in the woods and became uh, like a little baron out there and was like apparently a great dude. 
So interesting story. Oh, really? There we go. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Little kernel of fact in our in our legends. I, I was oh, enjoying. Oh, cool. Okay, little, little fun story. We we we, we started the story podcast with a cool little story. That's yeah. that's look at us. I might say yeah. So I feel like you know we've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this bell for a long time, right? Like if we go back to episodes one and two, you know what a good story is told. Maybe that's going to be. I like it. Be like the oh. snap to a good story. So. We'll just we'll 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 say that was that was one. You got it. You got a bell ding there, Peyton. Well I'll done. Take, it. take, take a little bell ding, Mikey. But this isn't about bell and beauty and it. it well, I just said bell and beauty. This is the same thing. <laughs> beauty <laughs> and the beast. Beautiful, beautiful on the inside. That's the whole story. That's it. He was beautiful on the inside. Uh, we want to talk about you. So tell us who. It, tell us a little bit about Mike Snow. I know so much about you. I could probably do the podcast without you, to be honest. But I'm glad <laughs> okay. you're here. So so tell us a little bit about you, man. How life. Get started. How'd you come into the world? Uh, maybe about your birthday. Uh, you can tell us about that. Um, yeah. I was born in 1983 in Orange County, California. Um, and I think that's cool because that was, you know, back in high school that, you know, the OC was a huge popular show on Fox. Right. So that was always uh, fun to say that I was born in the OC. But my dad was took his first stint in the Secret Service in Orange County. So mm. I was there for about a year. He took a transfer to Virginia. I was in Virginia from about the age of one uh, until about when I was going into first grade. So I was in Virginia over in Fairfax County where, where my parents had a townhouse. Mm -hmm. um, and then we actually moved, got transferred up to Rochester, New York, uh, where my dad worked out of the Rochester field office. And our house was actually in Fairport, New York. But we were there from 1991 to, uh, to 1996. From 1996, we then took a transfer out to Petaluma, California, which is Sonoma County, the wine country. I'm sure a yeah. lot, if you've seen, you know, a lot of the wine bottles, it says Sonoma County, uh, where my dad. Then we moved there, but then he would he would drive an hour and a half south into San Francisco, where he uh, led the counterfeit division for the Secret Service. And I know uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, counterfeit uh, money is actually the, uh, the responsibility of the Secret Service. So, um, so he led that division and he was in California cause you'd have to go to Japan a lot. Uh, cause, cause the Japanese are very, very good at identifying, uh, counterfeit, counterfeit money. Um, there's only, there's only a hand few people who can, can, who can just feel the money and know that it's fake. Uh, but only, only certain people can do that in the world. And there was, so, there were some folks over there that could do that. So he'd be over there working with them throughout the the cases of these really large. They call it the super note, yeah. Um, case when that broke out. So anyway, so then after that, we were only there for two years. We took a transfer back here to uh, to Virginia, where we moved to Ashburn. And fun fact, actually, I didn't mention this earlier, but our house was purchased by uh, our agent was CC Sells, who was one of the largest agents in Keller Williams at the time. She helped us buy in 1998. And she was actually, uh, went and actually worked for Pearson Smith, uh, you know, later in her career, once we, I think it was like maybe 2016 to 2017, her, her, her whole team joined us. And I, it's been forever since I saw her, but I said, Oh, Hey, CC, you know, how you been? I'm glad you joined Pearson Smith. And and she said, oh, Mike Snow, your parents bought a house for me in 1998. You were on Bosman Court, three houses up on the right. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, like a savant. And I was yeah, like, that's that crazy. is why you were the number one agent in the country for some time. But I thought that was a cool story. But uh, but yeah, that's that's how the, 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 the progression of our moving around growing up went. And then when you were in Ashburn, when were, where, what school did you start? Did you go, were you in high school at that point? Yeah, so 1998, I, I, I started at Broadburn High School. That was my Broadburn freshman year in high school. Yeah, and that's when the whole progression, that's where I met Eric Pearson. Uh, I, I, I was a year, I'm a year older than him grade wise. feels like I'm three years older than him uh, age wise, which is weird. Every time I'm like, Oh, I'm 38. like, oh, I'm 34. I'm like, what? You're only one grade, one grade behind me. That's weird. <laughs> well, he uh, is Benjamin Button. He's like, he's aging in reverse. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm like, man, he is looking great. Like, yeah. I'm just falling apart. My body's kind of a, I'm just kind of a, you know, middle age milk toast nice. my body is very much so a dad bod and i it's 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 getting worse than a dad bod so but he is looking great he's yeah, he, yeah that's one thing he does not miss a beat on is his morning workouts that's something that he will not pass up so i want you to tell the story about laura with the door with the door and the ball and the spring yeah i remember that story it uh yeah she i don't know it's just <laughs> probably tried to install it but now i installed another one of those in the kitchen and that that didn't uh that that one's now jamming like i think i put the ball in too tight so it's you Let know me ask you, are you are you good are you handy around the house or are you 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 do things and break them more no absolutely not no i don't do I, i'm very i'm not handy uh, and I, my whole my whole argument is is like oh if we just hire someone to do it or to help out then you know, I, I can spend more time with the family or working or something. Yeah. But I'm just I love to... that. You know, you hear that out in like the the productivity growth circles. They're like, right. know what your hourly rate is. You know, you shouldn't be out there cleaning the, the cleaning right. the leaves out of your gutters. Somebody else should be doing that. You got that's how you help the economy. That's how you make sure you're present for your family. And for me, that's the excuse. But in reality, <laughs> I am not good at it. I'm just not good. Like, I want to be good at it. Like, I want to change my own oil. But I would be like, I would change my own oil and be like, good, I got it all out of there. And then drive off with no oil and my car would explode. Like, I do not know how any of that stuff works. And just recently, as a matter of fact, Ellie can tell you about it. We're going to have Jake on the podcast and, I don't know, at some point in the future, her husband had to come install a toilet for me because I was just trying to change the guts of my toilet and I was like watching a YouTube video and I went and I pulled the bad guts out because like it, it, it kept the flap it kept leaking all the time not leaking but like running all the time and uh, I took the the tank off and when I put the tank back on I got the washers in there and I was cranking it down and I was like trying to teach my son like my 15 year old son who's trying to learn how to be a man I was trying to show him how to like put this tank back on and I was like see and he was like hey I don't think like he was immediately trying to stop me because he could tell at 15 I didn't know what I was doing at 36 and I was like see watch you just got to give it one good whole tank shattered water all over the bathroom you got you can't tighten it too much I, it's funny you mentioned that because I have a tenant that texted me this morning and right after the podcast I'm putting a dirty t-shirt on and I've got to go and they're, they've got like water dripping through one of the bolts on the tank. And my cheap ass is like, I mean, whatever my hourly is, it's cheaper than a plumber. They make more than that. So I'm like, I'm going to go to Home Depot up there with it. And I'm going to have to remove the tank and do the same thing. So wish me luck. They have a one week old baby. I'm going to do a little, a little bathroom home invasion and try and, uh, and try and fix the toilet. So, oh, oh my God. 
out. That should be some good content for you, though. You should do a little video, a little sneak peek, day in the life of a landlord realtor. That would oh, be good content gosh. for you. Okay, yeah, it'll be good content either way. I mean, watching it shatter would probably be the best resolution, but I'm going to hope it flushes and actually goes down. Uh, but you get a day forever, right? They say that. If you, like, break it more, you're like, oh. Because my wife was like, she felt bad for me because she just knows yeah. that this is a problem. So she she was like, I, I need to be kind to him in this moment because I can tell he's he, he took a lick. You know, like, he's yeah. he was up here. He's, he's, he's down here now in terms of, like, his man card. So she's like, you know, they don't pay well though. An A for effort does not. That does not. That does not a check that cashes. No, she sure. gave me a. She gave me an attaboy. You know, hey, you know, have we still got a few other bathrooms? Like it's totally fine. And uh, yeah, you know, so we tried. But this isn't about me and my struggles, Mike. This is about you and your struggles. How about you tell us a little bit more about this secret security, uh, secret service gig that your dad was doing? I want to hear an intro. What was what was your favorite story as a kid that your dad told you about being a secret service agent? Um. It stands out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just they, they're around those folks so much. I mean, just kind of like how, like, he, he loved he loved George W. Uh, and his dad. I mean, they, they, he they, he spent the most time with those presidents, so it's not like a Democrat-Republican thing. But he said there's normal people, really, really good, good folks uh, treated you know, almost everyone they came in contact with really well. Funny story about uh, George W. Bush. Uh they said they had to put the most in shape people on uh, from a secret service perspective on on his details because uh, especially when he wanted to work out because he was notorious for trying to break you um, <laughs> so like when you go on a run you had the best secret service agent runners on his detail because if you uh bike if you went for a bike ride same thing the best bikers uh, because he will try to lose you. He will try to outrun you. He'll try to drive you into the ground. Um, so they, they knew that kind of going in. So it's just like, Hey, George, you know, the president wants to go for a run. So, and so, 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 so you got to get out there. Right. That's crazy. That's fun. That, I would have, I would struggle a lot with keeping my competitive spirit in check. I'd be like, I'm about to torch this old man president. And, uh, and then he would end up, he would end up dying on my watch because I was beating him in a, in a football. Yeah. yeah. Triathletes kind of running and then at the very end letting up. Oh, very good. You beat me again, Mr. President. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it so, must be really cool to hear like a president cut a fart. I like it's not a cool story, but you have to imagine you're in the Secret Service. He's in the Oval Office. We all know what we do at a lonely office. You know, you're just sitting there in between phone calls, get it done, you know, lift the lift the leg a little bit, and then you just uh, gotta they're human. Shut your eyes a little they're bit. Human. Dude, that reminds me. Ashley was showing me a video. <laughs> it was uh, it was on the internet. I'm sure you guys saw it 10 years ago because I'm never on. But this guy was on a date, and this woman posted a video on a ring doorbell. And uh, I guess he had excused himself to go out to his car. He was like, oh, I got to go grab something real quick. It was like a first date. And he goes out, and he farts for four minutes straight on her front porch. <laughs> and the ring doorbell is just recording him walking yeah. around, just completely crop dusted the entire community this woman lives in. And she was, like, watching it. She's just, like, in the room. So he, he was trying to be real slick about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, oh, my God. I I, I, I couldn't stop crying laughing. I have such potty humor. Like, that gets me. I'm I'm not a grown-up. I don't understand. No. That's that. That's funny stuff. You know, I, I did think of a funny story about the lack of being a handyman and just judgment. Yep. Um, so I had, I had, uh, when I got out of, out of school, uh, I got my first car when I was working for this defense contractor and 
at, at year five, it was Toyota Camry, silver Toyota Camry. I was thinking, you know what? You know what? I know this is kind of conservative car for a young guy, but uh, but you know what? It's going to last me forever. I, I said, I'm going to drive this for 20 years. I'm gonna, I hate I hate car payments. And so um, so but I in the back of my mind, I remember my dad always saying, he's like, hey, you know, just worry about the oil changes. Don't worry about anything else. Just get that thing oil changed every 3000 miles. and You're good. Right. So went to the get my oil change get my oil change and i only got the oil change right so a couple last couple uh trips to the auto body they're like hey you gotta change your fluids man like you got your 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 brake fluids your fluid transmission fluid i'm like i'm like listen just change my oil my dad's <laughs> well i'm not forget the other fluids change the oil yeah you're not upselling me on this stuff right yeah. you're not gonna trick me i too so don't even try it uh Anyway, fast forward year five, right? So I get we're, we're heading down to the beach for the our annual Outer Banks trip, and we're 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 right past in Richmond. I'll never forget it. Probably I probably always remember the, the exit. All of a sudden, me and Laura, we don't have any kids yet, and all of a sudden, I just paid off my car about four or five months earlier, or whatever. So free and clear, riding that baby to the beach, and then all of a sudden, it just the, I just couldn't turn the steering wheel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. And all of a sudden, smoke's coming up at everywhere. Yeah. I'm able to get off the exit, but unfortunately, long story short, fast forward, the lack of fluid changing in the other parts of the car <laughs> blew my car up oh, sure. um, to the point where I literally had to go rent a car from the Richmond airport, go to my trip, came oh. back from the trip, and then went to go sell off the pieces of my car that were still salvageable. <laughs> And, and got about $2,000 left. So on a five-year-old Toyota Camry, I got $2,000 from CarMax, who CarMax probably ended up just like, God knows what, probably made a killing on the car because I knew what to do with it. Oh, my God. I have the best. And we might have him on one day, but I'm going to tell the story anyways because it's worth telling twice. A buddy of mine has the best CarMax story ever. So growing up, he like he lived in the city, and he came down here when he was like 17, 18 years old. And so he had never needed a car. So he got his first car when he came here. And it was like a super old white Ford Bronco. Or no, Ford, Ford Explorer, not a Bronco. I think an OJ. Uh, it was an Explorer. And this thing had a million miles on it. It was terrible. And uh, he was just getting into real estate. He was learning the business and stuff. And uh, he got to the point where he was like, all right, I'm making a little bit of money. I can go buy a better car. So he's like, I'm going to go drive this fully functioning white Ford Explorer that is like fully street legal and safe. He goes to CarMax, you know, they go in, they're like, yeah, we'll do the appraisal. We'll come back and we'll make you a formal offer. So he's sitting there. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to get like a couple grand. I'm going to go buy a new car. This is going to be great. He's like 19. He's telling me the story like in detail. And he goes, and the guy comes back and he's like, you know, we've had an opportunity. We've looked at the car, you know, we've made all the calculations, figured out what we might be able to sell it for. And so we've decided to put together an offer and he like puts down the piece of paper and it's upside down and he slowly flips it over and slides it over. It was for $50. They gave him an offer for his car. It was $50. He told my wife and I that we were like, bro, there was the gas in your gas tank was more more than what you paid for that car, what they offered you for that car. I was like, 50, what costs $50? I can't feed my family for less than $50. You have a functioning street legal vehicle and they offered you 50. Oh my God, dude, I could not stop laughing. It, uh, 
day, yeah. it makes me laugh. Uh, uh, Can you I, imagine the heartbreak? No, he was he was crushed. Yes. And that was the thing. Like he seeing visually him being crushed, even retelling the story was <laughs> what made it so great. I loved it. It was awesome. So you got two grand for a car you actively participated in destroying. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Kudos to you because hey, uh, yeah. I'm, it up. like a little something put down on my next car, but man, Mike was, was a savage negotiator. Mike right. was on it. So on that on the subject of savage negotiations. Uh, I know after high school, you did other things. What your journey is kind of interesting. Like you didn't come at real estate as a young man, right? You sort of took a different path. What, what path did you choose? Get into some detail. And then what brought you into where you are now? Like, how did you start as an agent? I mean, you're one of the brokers that one of the fastest growing brokerages in like our area, maybe the country, yep. like what got you here? Uh, yeah, good question. So when I got out of, when I got out of school, uh, I went and worked for a defense contractor. Um, I was a business development guy. And uh, then I worked in program management for the Air Force and Army, which I thought was awesome. Um, and then and then uh, and then and then what I, I got my real estate license because we in 2012, I, my wife and I were going to say, hey, we'll start a family. And I thought, hey, let's it'd be nice to be able to say, hey, why don't you take a year off and be with the baby or at least more time. But my, my, my defense contractor salary wasn't going to do that. My wife was a teacher. Um, so I said, oh, I'm going to get my real estate license. Uh, I'm going to sell real estate for the year leading up or two years leading up to it, a, a year and a half, I guess. And, and then every all the money I make, I'm going to sock away into savings so that when she has a baby, she can take off and then take another year off. Right. Mm -hmm. So I uh, did that and then got into real estate and loved it. Right. So I, yeah. I, I love the profession. I love, uh, Loved working with people, especially like you're buying your first house or you're transitioning. It's kind of a big, it's a big purchase. And, you know, to be a part of it and an advisor is, uh, is, is something I, I really love to do. Um, so anyway, so that that's how I got started. And then fast forward, uh, you know, Eric was uh, back in the day, Eric and I played basketball together, right? I moved here in 98. Uh, we played basketball at Broadhorn High School together. I was I was uh, I was a sophomore when he was a freshman. We played on the same junior varsity team, and then um, and then I always laugh about this story because uh, he Stonebridge opened up at the same time, and he left. I joined up in 2011 with with Eric at the same time. He's on a team. I'm on a team. Um, and then roll around to 2014. He's like, hey, I'm going to start a. Uh, I'm gonna start my own brokerage with my uncle who wants to do something different. He's the money guy. I'm the real estate guy. At that point, he had a huge team at Remax, and um, he said, "Hey, I want you to come over and help me start this and, and be my first broker." So that's that's kind of how that's how I kind of came to Pearson Smith based on being being uh, starting it, knowing Eric from back in the day, and then yeah, coincidentally being there at the same time at there, and then opportunity opened up to to help him uh, start and grow this thing. Talk about a small world, man. Yeah, so you had kind of like been out there in the corporate circuit. Is it still bad? No. It's good. Oh, yeah. All right. I fixed it. Yeah. Out in the corporate circle circuit, doing that whole thing, come back. And then it was a guy that you knew and you guys had to play basketball together and gone to school together. And then you just happened to start on the same day at the same company. That's crazy. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, super, super weird. Uh, and a big, a big coincidence. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of how it that's kind of how it started. And then and then just kind of took off. I mean, I was dual career for a long time, worked, uh, you know, but I, but it really didn't feel like, like I, the, the job during the day was something I didn't really enjoy. Uh, mm -hmm. and 
I was working towards the real estate stuff in the nights and the weekends, it, it didn't really feel like work because it was just something you liked more. And that's uh, kind of brings me to, I know you guys ask these questions along the way, but you know, best advice I ever got is just, Hey, you know what? It's uh do what you do what you love to do. Cause if you do that, it doesn't feel like work and you, right. you kind of like getting up every day. And, you know, unlike, you know, some folks who would just have to go to work to make ends meet to do yeah. something to do. If you can somehow, somehow, you know, work towards something you really love to be able to transition into that while you make the ends meet doing something you have to do, then, then so be it. Yeah. yeah. Do a job that you love. You'll never work a day in your life. And, and we're uh, seeing a lot of that. I mean, in the modern economy, you know, it's like uh, Chris Rock's got a joke from like 20 years ago. It's like uh, when he was growing up, it wasn't be, you can be anything you want. It's you can be anything you're good at as long as they're paying. You know what I mean? It was his joke. And, but there's an element of truth to that. Like if you pursue your strengths, generally people like to do what they're good at. And I think far too many of us for a very long time have you follow the path of least resistance and just kind of go on a certain trajectory. And then at a certain point in your life, whether it's day one or, or year 15, you're like, oh, shit. Well, I mean, it's paying the bills, maybe, but I'm not emotionally rewarded by what I'm doing. You know, it's like and sometimes you do something you're good at and you, you hate it, I guess that it does happen. But, sure. you know, you're you, both of you guys are great communicators and educators and you love that sharing and kind of being a part of something you're both men of high integrity so it makes sense that naturally you get a lot of emotional food from building strong relationships with people and shepherding through big decisions you know it's mm -hmm. just from what i know of you guys a lot of our listeners don't know you personally it makes a lot of sense that both of you guys as agents as brokers and now as coaches like get a lot from that and that's something i picked up on from both of you when i first met each of you individually it was like oh this is a person who's incredibly successful and i often joke with people i coach now and even clients i'm like yeah i've made a career out of, of buddying up with men richer and more powerful and successful than me and asking them to hand me things they don't want <laughs> it's like it's like oh yeah let me take care of that for you no problem and that's, that's how i grew you know how you do it like i mean i learned stuff from richard i learned stuff from eric i learned things from you just try to absorb as many things as you can i learn things from you all the time on the technology and just you know the conversion skills it's like you you just you whoever you're around you just always try to pick up a couple things that you're you're not as good at or you're you just want to you want to get better at and and you just kind of you try to absorb that's why i tell people when you listen to a podcast or or, or read a book or do whatever, hopefully you're getting one or two little nuggets yeah. that apply. Yeah. And, uh, you know, cause you hear a lot of the same stuff over and over again when you start listening to all the self-help stuff. And, right. but you usually can pick up something that you've never heard before. And then hopefully it makes that half hour, hour worth it. That's you know, I've gotten pushback from people before on like why they don't want to listen to podcasts or read like developmental type books and things like that. And I think some of it is like, they don't want to feel vulnerable to the idea that they don't know enough, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that, that they're like, by almost saying, like conceding that I need to read this thing because I want to learn more, that they're somehow going, I'm admitting I'm not enough. And I think you just got to really turn that perspective on its head. And what you guys just talked about is like, no, like I don't, I could never know everything. I have to just be humble enough to admit that and go, I want to learn. I'm eager. I want to find out better ways to do things, surrounding myself by people who know or who are of that same mindset to just grow and find those ways to do it. Um, by surrounding myself with those people, it'll happen. And I love it, man. People come into your life for one of two reasons. Somebody told me this one time, and it is like probably one of the strongest lessons I've ever learned. People come into your life for, for, for one of two reasons. They're either a blessing or they're going to teach you a lesson, right? And that can be a negative or a positive. And I say, all right, well, what's the lesson here? 
Somebody comes into my life and it wasn't a positive experience. What can I pull away from this to be a better person? I'm not going to let anyone come into my life and just drag me down, be an anchor and keep me from where I want to be. So love that. That's kind of what you guys are talking about. And it's the small stuff, right? To Mike's point, like it's, it's that you might listen to a one hour podcast or a 10 hour book. Like for me, a lot of people are, they talk about communication skills. I read a lot of fiction. Like it's based, it's written by smart people that are journalists or scientists or whatever, but it's that I follow my own interests, but it might be that one phrase or that one word or that one little fact that I then repeat a hundred times over and over again that nobody else seems to think about. And you just glean whatever little teeny factoid or thing you can. You don't have to open your, to Richard's point again, it's like you don't have to open yourself up to breaking apart your life and rebuilding it and becoming a Buddhist and moving to a mountain. Just learn that, like for me, it was like the Buddhism thing. Life, the nature of life is suffering and the gift we give each other is to alleviate the suffering of, the, of others. You know, it's like you don't have to become, to convert, to realize that it's rewarding to help other people and that can remove you from your own problems and give you the emotional strength to tackle your own problems in a better emotional place. Like it doesn't have to be this full court press that changes your whole life if it just changes a moment of your life yeah. and allows you to domino other moments moving forward. It's interesting. Yeah. I got a question for Mike. This is something that it absolutely blows me away. Can you share with our listeners and viewers, can you share with them the responsibilities you currently have in your life, right? Just go through what are the things you do? How are you spending your time? Uh, because you don't think this is impressive. I think it's insanity. So we're going to dissect this for a minute. Talk to us about what are the things you do professionally, personally, all the responsibilities you have. Go. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I get where you're going with it, but it, I, it, so. he's already going to talk it down. He's already going to talk it down. Just answer the question, Mike. All right. So I am a managing broker at Pearson Smith, but the nice part about it is, is that a lot of my time is dedicated towards uh, the, the awesome BBS coaching program that we have a partnership with, with, with our company. Um, so coach uh, love coaching love helping people develop and get as 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 much better as they want on the real estate front as as i i know how to do um a broker so i'll take hotline calls and 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 folks uh i'm not i'm not the lead you know one of the leads anymore on taking taking these hotline tickets from a managing broker perspective but i do help out on that front um and then uh i do sell to friends and family in terms of uh real estate um, and then I've got four kids under the age of 10 at home, uh, and an amazing wife. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, but, at, but you know, and you do your best to make sure you're doing a great job in every which way. And you just want to, and I'm big on scheduling. So Richard will tell you, Peyton will tell you I'm a big scheduler. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm allotting the right amount of time for everything I need to do. Yeah. And if I can't get to something, then, you know, that's why you have teams and resources and folks that are help you in your circle to to help get the responsibilities done in other areas of your life. And that's what we teach a lot in the in the, in the coaching group, too. Yeah. What type of activities are your kids into? Just curious. And are you participating in any of those things? Because yeah. you're, again, pulling punches. Tell yeah. them all of the things that you do. A lot of baseball. My son's travel baseball, which goes on many, many days during the week. Uh, daughters like to do lacrosse and soccer and, and, and dance and those sorts of things. So a big, big shout out to, to, to my wife, Laura. I mean, she's, um, she's able to stay at home, which is awesome, but you know, going off on another tangent, 
you know, stay-at-home moms, you know, most of them are thinking, God, I wish I was at work, and you know, being able to interact with adults and, you know, the, you know, not having to just, you know, you know, be around this this hard responsibility of keeping little kids alive and 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 shuffle them around and and keeping things on in track in terms of house and food and all that. So it's crazy. There's so many things that go along with that. So it's like I got a ton of respect for, for, for stay at home moms who take care of kids. Um, and, and then, and then the flip side of that, w women who are out working and, and can jump their husbands and, and being able to come back and be able to manage it all. It's just such a hard, it's such a hard thing to do, especially in our environment here where cost of living is so high, where it's just, it's just a need for most people. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's, it is challenging to be a stay at home mom. I think my wife has the hardest job on the planet, you know, and, uh, and it's talk about it. I, I mean, I, I genuinely mean it. I do a lot of things. I uh, work really, really hard. It's not even, the problem is, is I have a start to my day and I have an end to my day. And there are some days where I don't have to do it at all. There is no start. There is no end. There are no days off. And that is just the thing that I think about. Um, and, and why, my wife's counsel is so important. I think early on when I was younger, we started having kids at a young age. It was unfortunate because I didn't value what my wife had to say as much because she wasn't in the workforce. You're good. You're back. Uh, wasn't in, Annie's gone. Uh, wasn't Annie's back. Wasn't in the workforce. Uh, and so for whatever reason, I felt as though like, and this is like me being a little vulnerable and being honest. I didn't think that there was as much that she could contribute because she didn't have the perspective. But in reality, keeping human beings alive nurturing them, loving them, making sure that their life experience. She had so much to teach me and it was right there. And in the last handful of years, I got to say, like, I've learned so much from my wife. When I have challenges, there are only a small group of people that I go to to talk to them about it. And I'm so fortunate that I have my wife to be able to do that. It's a hard job. So shout out to all the moms out there, whether you work with kids or you don't work with kids, it's a lot of responsibility. So. 100%. 100%. And you guys hear me? I'm sorry. This yeah, man, you're good. You're, 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 you're doing great. You're doing so good, man. This has been fun. I've already enjoyed it so far. So let's go. What, what do we got next? Peyton, what do we think? What do we want to, where do we want to take this? He's got great stories. Um, I want to see where you want to go from here. Like you're a person who objectively has climbed a lot of mountains. You helped Eric build Pearson Smith Realty into a company that's now reaching a new level. Okay. You've helped Richard build BBS as a co-coach and a co-creator of a lot of the programs that you guys work with in that program. And that's another thing you've helped to build. You're building a family that you mentioned is zero to 10. I think one of your daughters is named Peyton, which I've always considered kind of fun, right? Yeah. Um, and so where do you go from here? Do you, are you looking to retire to the beach one day? Do you want to keep building your empire? You know, as uh, what, what, what do you, what's your life goal? Yeah. What's your outro, man? Oh, and hold on. Before we do that, guys, I should mention he is one of the top producing agents at the brokerage we're talking about. He might be a managing broker, but his business is exceptional, right? It's I pulled the list the other day of the top 50 producers at the brokerage, and Mike was in the top 10. Like, it's I don't know how he does all of it by him. Like, it's it's bananas. So it is. Sorry. I just, you're not going to ever tell anyone. So I'm going to brag on you for a minute. Appreciate that, Richard. But at the same time, it's, it's one of those things where I've been in the business over 10 years, right? So it's and my whole thing about it, where a lot of my business comes from, is just is is with my friends and my family and my and my networks and things like that. In terms of I, I like and it's just kind of like I just like staying in touch with people. 
um, and it, that's the tricky part about our business is you want to be able to stay in touch with people and let them know we're doing what we're doing without coming off as as being really salesy and pushy and the whole commission breath thing. Um, so that's that's the, the the challenge to it all, right? And you know, I've been fortunate to be growing up here in my part of town since 1999, and I've got uh, four brothers. And I've got my parents who grew up over one went to Woodson, one went to Marshall. You know, my mom's one and nine, my dad's one of five. So it's like these big groups of people where it's just, you know, everyone's very supportive of each other. Um, so I've, I've, I've been very fortunate in terms of people thinking about me and saying, hey, you know, can you help me do this or come and help me do that? So but from a from a perspective of growth, uh, Peyton, um, I like what I'm doing. Right. I like seeing with the merger with uh, PSR. I want to see I want to see Pearson Smith be the largest brokerage on on the East Coast, right? Uh, I want to see us go from a thousand agents to seven thousand agents. Uh, I love helping Richard and and yourself with BBS. I want to see us be the number one coaching company in the country. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, family wise, I want to I want to continue to have the you know make make sure that there's enough time for me to be with the family and make sure that I'm spending, that's the tr tricky part with four kids, right? And I told my wife this the other day, it's like, man, I love having four kids, but I feel like it, there's a problem where one one or two kids will demand your time and somebody will get left behind. So you have to really think hard about the amount of time you're spending with them because you don't want someone not to get more time than somebody else if you can help it. Um, so if I could just keep that all going, uh, that would be nice. There's nothing, you know, no crazy things about doing you know I, would i love to live in south carolina when i retire in charleston and and live on live on king street and uh and, and eat at magnolias every day yeah sure but maybe okay. not like 80 or 90. Damn. so let's go into some interests then because you just mentioned something you know you you, you it's interesting because you are you got to, you're 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 a little bit of a creature habit you like some things that you like you're a bit of a foodie right yep. so talk to us a little bit about some of these hobbies you have some things that you're interested in you're, 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 like I said, you're a self-described uh, foodie. Tell us about what that's like and what you love and give us some, give some shout outs to your favorite places. Yeah, no, no, no. I love, uh, I love food. Uh, so yeah, I just, my wife and I, my wife loves it too. So it's, uh, we, there's a lot of, there's a lot of places I like to like to eat at. So I don't know, like if you want to talk about barbecue, I love brisket from Monks out in personal shout out to Monks. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Give me a category. I guess I can give you something. Breakfast or... food. Favorite breakfast food. Mmm, breakfast. I'm a huge breakfast guy. I like coffee. Okay. Big coffee guy. Okay. I like I like the old Pike Place from Starbucks. Regular medium blend. Uh, just a little bit of cream, no sugar. Um, oh, I will say, you know what? A breakfast thing I've been hyping up lately is if you go to the old Phil and Co. Um, it, near uh, there's one by Richard. There's one in Ashburn down by Route Seven. They've got this backyard bar, uh, back backyard uh, breakfast burrito, and that that it is it was so awesome. good. Yeah, so I, I've had I had that once a month or so, but but yeah, we love food over here. I love buffalo wings. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that you know I I could talk about in terms of the food world, but yeah, no. steak place. If you had to go to a steak place, what would you what would you recommend? Oh, I got to shout out DC Prime. That's uh, yeah. my my boy Taylor Gibbons, he's one of my clients and, and childhood friend. He actually, when I moved here back in 98, he lived on the same street as me, um, helped him buy a house over in Leesburg last year. And anytime I go to DC Prime, um, you know, you got to see Taylor. He'll take care of you. All right, cool. All right. We got we got a good shout out. Um, 
What's another one? What's another favorite? Uh, favorite like Mexican food, South American food that you would you would go to? What's your go to? Uh, you know what? My wife loves uh Mexican food a lot. Uh, I mean, it's the general stuff. Like Uncle Julio's is really good. I know it's kind of more commercial. You know what? One of our favorite places is around here. Sense of Thai. There's a dish at I called the Pad Pad Thai, P A T Pad Thai. Um. Really good. Yeah, it's over in one out and very good Thai place. We actually ate there off your recommendation not that long ago. Blown away. It was, yeah. it was so good. Yeah. It's like a top rated restaurant in the state. I didn't know that. Like they they want some things. So no okay. So favorite ice cream flavor. Yep. Uh hmm. You know, it's fun. I'm not a sweet guy. I'm more like a meal guy. Okay. Uh, Wife's always funny, like, hey, you want some chips or some pretzels? And it's like, I'd rather have a, a burger from McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, so like more like a meal meal. But I guess, uh, I don't know, something with peanut butter maybe? Maybe like a chocolate yeah. peanut butter ice cream? Chocolate peanut butter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I got one. So tell me, tell us a story because I've heard so many. Tell me a story, a funny story. To yeah. others, that was something that you did that was maybe not like your best moment, right? Like where you 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 goofed it up a little bit, maybe maybe you got it just a little bit wrong, but you were a little overconfident yeah. with it. Tell me, tell me, tell me a couple of those. Give me, give me, give me some good uh, ones. You want to laugh at your expense? Yeah, so I'll tell you one. My mother-in-law loves this story because I knew this pain gave me a heads up on you might ask this question. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of jobs as a kid, right? So yeah. I love that's the entrepreneur coming out in me, right? So I did. Uh, I chalked, I chalked baseball fields before, you know, so I'll chalk the fields before the games. Yeah. I a small lawn mowing business when I was in seventh grade. Um, I worked at a bank. I was a waiter. I was, a, um, I worked in a, a child day camp type thing. Uh, but you know, one of my favorite jobs was I was a cart pusher at Giant, right? So I, I would I'd go out to the parking lot. I'd get the carts. I'd push them in and man, like, it was hot in the summer, right? You're just sweating, getting those carts and pushing them back into the store. Um, so they thought I was doing a good job. So I, I, they got me a, uh, they said, Hey, good news. You're promoted to the bakery. And I was like, Oh yes, I'm <laughs> out of the heat. Threw me back in the bakery. So one of my, I had a couple jobs. One of the main jobs was to stack the aisle. So like I'd bring out my carts full of the bread and I'd restack the bread when needed. Um, but sometimes from time to time I'd have to, you know, people would say, oh, hey, uh, Mr. Baker, I've got this cake. I need you to write happy birthday Richard on there. And I'd say, yeah, no problem. So I was not the best at the, you know, the the tube of paste, but I was okay. So I, this this one time this woman came up and she grabbed the uh, cake and she saw me in the bread aisle and said, hey, can you put happy birthday, whoever. So I said, no problem. So most people just give it to me. They go on their way. They do their thing. I took the cake. I went behind the... Um, back in the back but back in the back was like you could still i was like right yeah. at the level so my face and everything was still up i start to do the thing happy birthday blah 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 right i come back around and i'm like oh she's still here oh here you go and she's like oh thank you but let me give you a little bit of advice and i was like you know what and i don't get me wrong like i'm very nice but when someone starts off with that like the the like the like the defense mechanisms go up yeah that okay yeah and uh, she's like, next time you're doing that, make sure you don't lick the cake. <laughs> I said, <laughs> and I said, uh, and I said, I said, and I got defensive 
which I do. It's like a knee jerk thing. I got defensive and I said, I said, I didn't lick your cake. And she said, oh yeah? Then why do you have icing all over your lips right here? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I said, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then she immediately went and told my supervisor and they gave her the cake for free and some other things. But, uh, and I apologized after I, but you know, I'm just, ro I'm rocking the cake. And then all of a sudden I must have, something must have got my hand. I'm like, you know, one of those things. And uh, yeah, so that was embarrassing. That was a funny story that people get a big, uh, big kick out of. Don't lick the cake. That's gonna be yeah. the title. That's gonna be the oh, title. Already said it to Ellie. <laughs> yep, already said that's gonna be the title of the episode. Uh, and I don't want you to feel alone out there on an island. So I'm gonna share one. It's a little more recent, as in last night. Uh, I was reading an article about Beyonce's new album coming out. Big deal today. So if you guys are listening to this, you'll know about when it was recorded because Beyonce's album came out today. Um, but yesterday it hadn't come out, but they were doing a write-up about it and it was exciting and all that. And they were going through the history of when she had been releasing her albums. And they were referencing one of her last albums, which was, which was titled, it was self-titled. Right. So they did say it was self-titled and I was just reading it and I read it and I go, gosh, this has always confused me. I was like, why do artists name their tracks, their albums self-titled and they don't even tell people what they named it? Why would they just name it themselves and keep that to themselves? And she goes, I swear to God, I married the dumbest person on the planet. And I said, what are you talking about? It says it right here. They named the album self-titled. They're keeping it to themselves. And she goes, no. Self-titled means it's named their name. It's named Beyonce, her name. And I went, that makes so much more sense. That makes way more sense than what I thought it meant. And I'm really glad that I shared that with you and no one else. But now I've shared it with the world because I'm a bit of a moron. No, no. Everyone has those stories. And that's the other thing too, guys, is I don't have a problem sharing embarrassing moments. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. It's it happens to everybody. I think it makes you just people kind of like, oh, you, you know, you're just a normal person. We're all normal people. If you try to be too serious, then it's, uh, I think there's, you know, you're just not as approachable people. It's just not as, uh, it's not as, you know, conducive, especially what we do. It's like, hey, we, we're really big on mentoring and coaching and, and, yep. and trying to make sure people are, you know, getting the best out of themselves. Yep. Where you your vulnerability is crucial in rapport building. Like you can't guide someone through something. I mean, there's the crocodile Dundee approach where you're going to get somebody through a scary situation by instilling in them that you're the action hero and whatever. But that only works really in movies or desperate life or death situations where you need Rambo. So the rest of the time, if you're actually navigating your life, I can't tell you guys again as my mentors how much it's meant to me over the years where one of you does share a humanizing story because it's easy to meet someone you admire and like I was kind of like the the president cutting a fart thing in the office. It seems silly, but like president. that might not be the story you tell. But ultimately, man to man, like I'm sure watching them like take longer to pee than you think is appropriate is probably a humanizing moment for the most powerful man in the Western world, circa 1999. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's going to make you feel like more of a welcome human to realize that everyone is a human, and like you can't take advice from people and feel like you're still succeeding. Like that was just a big part of my emotional growth and my personal professional growth was like, oh wait, no, like, like I've sold this story before, but like I've had maybe five or six significant interactions with Eric Pearson in my life where we've had like a man to man between 30, minute, 30 seconds and three minutes. Four of them have taken place 
while I am at a urinal for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, it's just, he just likes to clap me on the shoulder and tell me, you're my man. And I'm like, thank <laughs> you. This is a little weird, but I appreciate the whatever. That it's like this funny, strange thing. But yeah, like now I laugh about it, and it definitely made me more comfortable. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. a, oh, not God. a big deal thing for him, and it's very funny. It's funny it's, for the it gives you the moment that he's got to give you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know, it was just formative, like having people I really admire and respect just be humans and like make it weird or tell the funny story about licking the icing or yeah. whatever. It's, I mean, it's like what you see is what you get, you know, yeah. it's not, there's no, nothing different. Like this podcast is, is going to be the exact same interactions that we all have together when we, when we're yeah. at a mastermind, oh, yeah. or whatever, right. Or taking up, yeah. you know, doing a phone call or whatever. Just goofing off. And so we're excited because we're going to try, you know, we, we don't want to give away exactly who the guest is, but we've got somebody kind of special, Mike. We're going to have you come back and co-host with us. We're going to uh, try to get somebody real special on yeah. here, right? Yeah. So you guys will have to stay tuned for sure. Yeah. Do you want me to queue it up? You want me to? to... Yeah. Dude, reach out, have the conversation, see if you'd be willing to do it. And we're going to have you come on and co-host with us. Keep the conversation going. I think it'll be cool. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one uh so yeah you guys that's what I think it is that's good because i'm gonna be very uncomfortable the entire time <laughs> oh, that's all right that's all right it's gonna be a good one i'm very very excited for it so awesome. but with, with that i know we're kind of running short on time and i do want to do one more thing after this but mike shameless plugs anything that you want to bring up anything that's near and dear to your heart anybody you want to shout out uh we yeah. want to give you that platform for coming on as a thank you so yeah no i i appreciate you guys for having me i like the i love the setup i love just kind of chit-chatting about just everything um i you know gotta shout my wife out because you know a lot of the stuff that you know the, the flexibility to be able to work those long hours and and broker and mentorship and coaching and and doing deals it couldn't be done if if, if she wasn't here to, to support um and be awesome what she does uh with the family um so that 100 percent you, you got to shout eric and chuck out because Absolutely. um you know they gave they gave me an opportunity to help them go on this awesome journey uh and now with the merger even going even bigger hopefully um into expanding and then of course richard because he, he's let me be a part just like eric and chuck let me be a part of pearson smith you know richard's let me be a part of uh this cool culture uh the the coaching mentor and we always say coaching and we always kind of say yeah. It, it it I it's just the easiest thing to kind of understand, but it's really more than coaching because the group is is what I get into is like you know the personal, the health, the growth. It's not just professional goals that we help out with with BBS, but it's like the whole picture. Because if the whole picture is not in line, then you're really not going to do great at work. So the fact that that let, that Richard's let me help build that with him and his team with Peyton, everybody else is 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 really cool. So. That's a treat on my end, though, man, because you just always have great ideas. Like, that's the one thing I'll say. Like, if you want a great idea, talk to Mike Snow. Because just the way your brain thinks, you're like, we could do this. We could try this. And it's Don't that makes me. it fun. It keeps it interesting, for sure. Don't ask me to execute that plan, because I won't. And that's the part that that I'll say a lot of times. And, and it's a shout out to Scott Ailing, because Scott, he knows me by now, because I'll kind of like wander in and be like, Scott, wouldn't it be cool to do this, this, or this? He's like... I'm not doing it. You want to do it? I'm like, hmm, I'll be right back. <laughs> so, no, I do like the idea aspect of it. And uh, if it's doable, I'll, I'll try to help out. But a lot yeah. of my, I can't physically do myself. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny because like I'll, uh, I think Ellie has gotten to the point because Ellie's our uh, doer. And uh, Mike and I are a lot of uh, big create cr creatives. 
uh, even Peyton and I, like we get together and there's a lot of, a lot of ideas, a lot of things going. Oh, yeah. And when I think Ellie's kind of like gotten to the point, she's, Oh, you're meeting with Peyton. You're meeting with Mike. I'm going to go ahead and go MIA for a couple days because yeah. I know what's going to happen. The trickle down effect's going to happen. And I am now I got too many things to do. Ellie. I got too much ideas to deal with that you guys have come up with. Yeah. And you know, sometimes I get Ellie now, like how I phrase things. And well, I know our plate is overflowing with stuff because she's just executing on all these cool things. But I just know, like, sometimes when I say something, I just kind of preface it with like, hey, whenever it happens, like, I know it may never, ever happen, but like, wouldn't it be cool to do this? And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's so classy about like, just the best. It, and then just not being like, stop trying to give me stuff, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's awesome. Got to shout Ella out because she's, she's just, she's just a, a, just a monster. Well, I saw I she's her. on that. She's on here. I saw her in quotes go signs off quietly in the chat. Uh quietly. It was around here, but yeah, guys, thanks. Thank you for having me. And, uh, I can't wait to come back. I am. I'm I'll, I'll tease this little bit there. I'm going to have my grandpa back on 91 years old. It probably lived one of the greatest lives. And I, I told you about my dad being the secret service. Well, my grandfather was actually before him and, and was the, the highest up in our, we have my uncle, my, my father and my grandfather all secret service but my grandfather who's 91 was actually the highest ranking in the secret service yeah i think he served under like six or seven presidents i can't remember the the number but he's got some stories it literally was like smuggling blondes into the white house under kennedy at this point <laughs> it's like what you're getting at that sounds yeah, awesome any of that kind of stuff but he, right. he's definitely going to be uh he, he's definitely going to be uh, a great great guest so I can't, i'm looking forward it. Oh my God. Well, as always, Mike Snow was a wonderful guest. It was a true privilege for me to get to talk to him a little bit more because I don't get to interact with him socially as much as I wish I could. Uh, Richard, I'm glad we were able to kind of leverage your friendship with him. To get yeah, some man. I, 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 love, I love that guy. He He's awesome. Uh, he is. He, he said it earlier. He is what you, you know, you, you get what you see. Um, he's one of the most approachable guys out there. Uh, he, he literally, he's won like the title, like they had like a, uh, like a competition, not literally, but figuratively they had this competition and he won like by popular vote. He's the world's nicest guy. Um, and, uh, and that, yeah, I would just say that he's super humble, which I just, I, I fucks with guys who are humble. Like I'm all about doing big things, but doing it in a way where no one would ever know. He doesn't need the limelight. He loves just being a part of big things, just being that and, and, there's something honest and noble and like, I respect him a ton. So I'm glad he took the time to come on. I'm glad he was here. He I just, he just said he wasn't a doer and look at what, look at what he's helped to do. Like I'm not a doer, but he, you know, he's a top producer, has five jobs, coaches, basketball, coaches, baseball, goes to dance recitals. He, like he's a foot, like, I don't know how he gets it all done. You know, he gets up early every day. He's just, but he still also finds time to be with his family. He shuts his phone off in the afternoon. I know if I text him after a certain time, I'm not going to get a response until after the kids are in bed. And I just love that, man. Like, it's just like yeah. he sets the bar high for being a human. And yeah, he's, he's a good dude. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, friends. We'll thanks see you. Later. You know what we do. Let's close it out strong. <laughs>